I'd like to uh, start this morning by asking you to do something for me. I, I, I haven't done this, or if I have, it's been a really long time. Um, I want to ask you to, to, to clear your mind this morning and, and focus. Um, I want you to focus on, on the message that God has for us this morning. I don't want you to focus on me or, or my abilities or the entertainment that comes along with it or none of that stuff. I just want you to focus on God's Word this morning. I want you to focus with everything you got. Focus, focus, focus on this message this morning. This is a message that God gave to me in 2014. And over the last few months while Kevin's been preaching, I've been going back over some older sermons and looking, just digging through them. And this is one that stood out to me that, that God pointed out to me for this morning. But I've, I've been running this thing through my mind for a while along with some other older sermons. Um, this one is from April of 2014. I, I preached it here at Wales. <clears throat> And I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about why in the world would it be necessary to go back and do something I've already done? Why, why would God even, I mean, why would that even be a thing, you know? And I got to thinking, and you know, how many times have you and I, me included, come into a church, into a congregation of people, and heard somebody lay out the gospel, and we walked out the door the same way as we came in, unchanged. What happened? How come, how's that even possible? Every time I read my Bible, every encounter with Christ brings on change. <laughs> so how can I come in here and, and encounter His gospel and not be changed by it? I can tell you one way that that's possible, is we're not paying attention. We're not hearing what's being said. It's words, we hear the words, but we're not listening. And we're definitely not taking it out with us. So that that don't happen again this morning, I want to ask you to focus, focus, focus. We, we fool with those essential oil things. I know some of y'all do that as well. And we ordered at Montana a pack, a, a kid's pack of essential oils. And one of them in there is called Focus, Focus. And I... The purpose of it is you're supposed to put this oil on before you have a test or before you study, and it, it, it makes you focus. I started to bring it this morning and just get up here and <laughs> just, just slang it on everybody. Focus, focus, focus. Focus, focus, focus. Focus on this. Speaking of essential oils, whoever whipped out the cinnamon a little while ago, thank you, that has calmed. I got a whiff of that from my seat, and it has nailed my cough, by the way. Thank you, Nicole. I know where it comes from. I may do this at you here in a minute. You just throw me that cinnamon and we'll get this thing down. Focus, focus, focus. Just focus on the message. Focus on the scripture. Focus on what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you would, join me in a word of prayer. Father and our God, we do come before you to say thank you for this opportunity to be gathered in your house. I thank you, Father, for the wonderful music. Thank you, Father, for the the lady who has come from DCS to, to give us some numbers and to, to give us a, a heartfelt thank you. Father, I, I pray that you continue to um, use her. Father, that you'll continue to use this congregation to aid her in the job that lies before her. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be standing before these people this morning. I pray that you would watch over me, that you would guide my tongue, that you would guide my thoughts, Father, that everything that I say and everything that I do is pleasing to you, that it's your will that it be done. 
Father, for all those that are sick this morning, those that have have ailments, those that are, are suffering this morning, those that couldn't even get here, I pray, Father, for you to touch them wherever they are and allow them to feel your presence as well. Father, I pray for your continued guidance through our service this morning, for the children's church, for, for, for the sanctuary. Father, I, I pray that everything that's said and done would be pleasing to you, uplifting to your name, Father, that it would bring glory to you. Father, again, we thank you. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I, I, again, I want you to just focus. I want you to just forget about all the outside stuff. If you put beans on before you left, forget about whether they're going to be burned or not. Forget about what's for lunch. Forget about the, the Olympics are going on. and for, Forget about everything just, just, for, just for a little while. Not that it's going to go away. Forget about that ailment. Forget about that test result. Forget about that doctor's visit this week. Just forget about all of that. Take all the distraction away just for a time. And just, and just listen this morning to what God has to say and really hear that there's a message in this and really hear that this word isn't put here for the joy of reading another story. It's here as a guide to our lives and how we're supposed to live and who we're supposed to be and who it is that we represent in our daily walk. Focus with me this morning. The title of my message is, Can You Believe That? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Can you believe it? We'll start in verse 50. We'll read through the end at 58. In 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality." So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You may be seated. Can you believe that? Have y'all ever heard somebody say that? Huh? You're standing there and you're looking at something or somebody says something or something comes on the TV or the radio and you go, Can you believe that? Now, do you believe that? Can you believe that? Look at this. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can you believe that? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. All the accolades, you know, I'm a competitive guy. Sometimes that's a downfall. Most days that's a downfall. 
I can't do anything that's not a competition. I can't get involved in things if it doesn't involve competition sometimes. I just like to compete. Not only do I like to compete, I like to watch other people compete. So therefore, it's time for the Olympics. I mean, I get excited. Very few people do anymore, and I get that, and that's your business and everything, but I get plum fired up about the Olympics. I love to watch people compete. Listen, I started Thursday night watching it. I watched it Friday night. I watched it all day yesterday. I watched people lose. I watched them on, on snowboards, and I watched them on sleds, and I watched them on skis, and I watched them jump, and I watched them race, and I watched them skate, and I'm telling you, just fired plum up. And you know, the ultimate thing is, whoever wins that gets, gets this big gold medal. Or, or maybe if you're in second place, you get the silver. Or, or if you're third out of however many's competing, you get a bronze. You get that medal. And they hang it around your neck, and if you win the gold, they play your anthem and they raise your flag. You're there representing more than yourself. You're representing your country. Man, those medals are pretty. Big old things. A lady that won in the silver in the... Uh, Skiathlon, no, the biathlon yesterday. No, the skiathlon, I was right. It's the one where they start off with the traditional skis and they do this way further than I could. <laughs> and they do that till they get tired and then they swap over to regular skis and they ski like this, freestyle they call it. The lady that won silver in that has become, because of her silver medal yesterday, the most decorated Woman Olympian of all time. Winner Olympian of all times. She got more medals than anybody. Than any other woman in Winter Olympics. In the history of Winter she's got more medals. And you know what it means when everything's said and done to have a gold medal? Nothing. You know why? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Focus. Listen to me. I'm not anti-Olympian. <laughs> I'm not anti-gold medals. I enjoy it. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. But if that's what defines you, is accolades from people, you're going to be very disappointed one of these days. Because all of this is going to run out. All of this is going to go away. And when it does, nothing matters that is flesh and blood. Nothing that's physical is going to matter. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can you believe that? If you say, yes, brother, I can believe that, then it should show in the way you live your life. It should. It should be obvious to others around you the way you live, the way you talk, the places you go, what's important to you and what's not. Your list of priorities ought to show that you believe that because the most of us don't live like we believe that. Because when I heard that Nate Brady's house got broken into and they stole everything from bicycles down to toothbrushes and he had to put a guard in his house, an armed guard, on his property, and he showed the video on Facebook of the, the uh, fence row that's about from here to those doors back there from his house where at night people were pacing that fence row watching him, watching his family. Y'all, he's got little girls. They're watching him, waiting on them to leave so that they can come break in and steal some more 
or maybe do harm to those kids. You know what the first thing in my mind was? Brother, you need to get back to the U.S. <laughs> but you know what Nate understands? That flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you know how I know that he knows that? He didn't tell me that. You know how I know that he believes that? Because the way he lives. He just moved down the road a little piece hoping they won't find him there. You know why? Because the most important thing to him isn't the stuff that got taken away from him. You know what's the most important thing to him? Is that the people of Guatemala get to hear the gospel. See the rewards for that? will enter the kingdom of God. They will. All that stuff that got stolen, it's not going to matter anyway. Now it's a horrible story and it's pitiful and it's pathetic and all that stuff still. But where my mind was is, brother, you need to get yourself back up here. And he goes, no, no, we're just going to move down the street a little piece, get some more stuff, and keep spreading the gospel. Can you believe that? Hey, man, can you believe that? Because I look for all the things that, 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 that threaten me and go, well, I know I'll never do it there. Right? Y'all laugh because you do it too. I'm not the only one. Because I heard a guy say in, in Sunday school a few weeks ago, repeated it again this morning, listen to me. If every person that called themselves a Christian reached one person a year. In 34 years, the whole world will have heard the gospel. You know how long we've been doing this? More than 34 years. So you know what the problem is? Us. Us. That's right. Us. We're the problem. You know what? Kevin said it last week. We just don't believe it. Because if we did, our life would reflect it. Now listen to me, focus this morning. Don't don't get offended. I want you to focus on what the Word of God says. I want you to focus on what the message is. I want you to hear what's being said this morning so that you can walk through those doors a different person than when you came in. So that you can take the Word of God, apply it to self, and walk out of there and the whole world goes, I don't know what happened to that sister, but man, I want some of that. Right? Can you believe that? Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. The corruptible things of this world will not inherit the incorruptible things of eternity. You got that? So why do we spend all of our time trying to attain the things of this world? Now, is it an evil thing because you like sports and you're good at it? No. Listen, I seen a group of guys last Sunday that won the Super Bowl that will not be defined by their Super Bowl victory. Every one of them that they stuck a microphone in front of, the first thing out of their mouth was, it wouldn't be possible without my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If they continue to to use that platform to further the kingdom of God, there is no evil in what they're doing. But what happens is, is we get a taste of that victory, we get a taste of that glory, and we want more of it. And then it becomes a priority over what God has for us to do. And it becomes a priority over pursuing the things that will inherit in corruption. Right? 
Now, they've done a great job. So, that does, so that, I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever play sports and you shouldn't be good at them and you ought to feel bad if you do. No, because that platform can be used for the same thing I'm using this platform for. I know it can. I've seen it happen last week. And thousands and thousands and thousands of other people seen it and heard it. You remember when Tim Tebow was in college and they played in a national championship game and he wrote John 3.16 under his eyes. Do you know what the number one Googled thing for that entire week was? John 3.16. He just wrote it there and people just got curious and went and looked it up. Now I didn't have to Google John 3.16, did you? So who does that tell you that got to? Amen. So these things of this world are not necessarily evil. And you loving sports and wanting to be competitive, and that lady being the most decorated female winner of Olympian of all time is not in and of itself evil. But don't forget this. The things of this world won't enter the kingdom of God. So if it consumes you to the point that you forget to tell people about Jesus and you pass up on the opportunities, now it's become evil. Now it's distracted you. And now you'll stand before the king without all your gold and silver medals. You won't get to take your trophies. Because corruption can't inherit incorruption. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can you believe that? Can you be- Do you believe that? Keep going with me. I'm not through. Verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery... We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. (laughs) Now he started that off kind of interesting. I tell you a mystery. What does that mean? Well, that means you may not understand what he's about to say, right? This may take some explaining. He says, I tell you a mystery. And the mystery is, not all shall sleep. But we shall all be changed. Sleep here can be replaced with another word you're probably familiar with. <laughs> die. <laughs> we shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. And he's talking about the second coming of Christ. And he's talking about that trump. And he's talking about that um, uh, event that 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 talks about. Did I give you that one, Mark? For, yes, I did. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Let's see, there it is again. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or dead. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Look at here. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now the thought of the graveyard emptying and people coming up out of the ground, how does that make you feel? Look at it this way. We're going down the bypass and you and I is coming up on Memorial Gardens down there and we hear this big loud trumpet. And all of a sudden you look over and the graveyard's emptying. People's popping up out of the ground. Now one of two things is going to overcome you. Excitement or fear. 
I'm finna get excited. I'm finna have me a Holy Ghost moment right there coming down the road. Whether you driving or I driving, we stopping, and it's fixing, to, it's fixing to get good. Because I understand that that's the first step in a series of things that ends with, therefore, comfort one another with these words, that from this day forward, I'm going to be with Him. But if the thought of the graveyard scares you, there's a reason. If the thought of the, of the bodies popping up out of the ground don't excite you, there's a reason. It should excite you because it's the beginning of a process. This fiction leads to some really good things. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you don't, you should be scared because what about to happen next in your life ain't going to be good. It's going to be an eternity of torment, gnashing of teeth, and eternally being on fire and never burning up. That scares me. <laughs> that scares me. Can you believe that? Because <laughs> if you can, it should show. Right? If you really believe that, if you really believe that the dead in Christ shall rise first, if you really believe that we all shall be changed, we're going to be caught up in the air, whether you die or you're alive when the event takes place, it doesn't change the fact you fix the change. You're going to change because incorruption can't be into the incorrupt. The corruption can't make it into incorruption. The flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So a change has to take place. Right? Can you believe that? Because if you can believe that, if you say, yes, not only I can, but I do, it should show in the way that you live your life. You shouldn't blend in with the rest of this world. <laughs> there should be something different about you. The places you go, the words you use. It should be different. You shouldn't blend. You shouldn't. Romans talks a lot about that. Keep going with me. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound that the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Whew. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So then this corruptible must put on... In so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality... Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. This, this is victory. And I'm no different than anybody else. I've lost loved ones very, very close to me. Grandparents and aunts and uncles. A cousin, 22 years old, it took his own life. I've done funerals for five-week-old babies. And I've done funerals for 90-plus-year-old men and women. Death doesn't know anything about how old you are. Death doesn't know what color you are, where you come from, whether you live in the United States or Guatemala or China or Japan. It doesn't care. It's a certainty that's going to happen. Death is coming to every one of us. But for those of us that are, that are born again, for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, that have a living, breathing, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, death is not an end. It's a beginning. 
And I know it hurts to lose a loved one. I know I cry too. I know I struggle to preach my grandmother's funeral. I struggle to preach my grandfather's funeral. It hurts me to see other people grieve. I know it hurts. But the fact of the matter is it should really be a celebration. Because on this side it's a departure. But if you go to the airport, if you, you can get in the airport anymore, which I don't know if you can or not without a ticket, they'd probably not let you in. People like to blow stuff up for some reason. But if you were to go in there, you would see two different sets of gates. One is a departure gate, right? That's where the people are getting on the plane and leaving. And it's a sad place. It really is. There's people standing there crying. They don't know if they'll ever see their loved one again. They're, they're hoping they're going to make it back, but they ain't 100% sure. And they're hugging and, and sobbing and hanging on to their ankle as they try to drag down to get on the airplane. Right? But there's another set of gates in that same airport just down the way. Now, I'm telling you all this like I've been. I ain't never been in an airport. Just going to go on. Throw that out there. Just going to throw that out there. Ain't never been in no airport. Ain't never got on no airplane. The Bible says, Lo, I will be with you always. And I think that means both feet on the floor, so that's where I'm going to stay. But on the other end of that airport or somewhere else in that same airport where there's this departure gate, there's also a arrival gate. Right? And if you go down to that arrival gate, what's going on? Oh, it's a celebration. It's a party. It's people eager to see their loved ones coming in, right? This life is that way. Although you and I stand on this side, and although we're over here on the departure gate, if that loved one, if me, if I die today because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, the departure gate isn't where it's at. <laughs> There's an arrival taking place. And that's what excites me about that scripture in 1 Thessalonians. He says that from that day forward, once that takes place, I will be with my Lord and Savior from then on. There's no more hurting, no more crying, no more loss, no more death. Do you believe that? If so, then you should be telling people about it. If you really can believe that and you really do believe that and you really do get that, then you and I should be busy about using every opportunity we can to tell somebody that truth. So why don't we? Two, only two possible choices for why we don't. We don't care or we don't believe it. That's it. That's it. Because if I care and if I believe it, I understand that there are people dying and leaving this world every day that don't have that relationship. And I've stood and talked to them about the weather, cars, motorcycles, sports, Olympics, whatever, and never mentioned Jesus one time. Why? Because I either don't care or I don't believe it. I'm guilty too. I am. That's why I said I want you to forget everything else before I started. It's why I said I want you to, to, to just block it all out for just a time. It'll still be there to worry about when I get done. You've got to understand that this whole world knows what you believe by your actions. I know that you care about that prayer at all ministry. I know you do. You know why? I've seen you support it. I've seen you give to it. You don't have to tell me. I've seen it. I know that you care about people that, ain't, that you've never even met. You know how I know that? 
I've seen you support them. I've seen you give to them. I've seen you reach out to them. I've seen you drag them in here. Some of them kicking and screaming, but y'all brought them on in. Right? It's your actions that tell me what you believe. So can you believe it? Do you believe it? You don't have to scream yes. Let it shine in your everyday activity. Come in here with the mindset week in and week out of God. I don't know what preacher's even going to be proud. I don't know if it's going to be Nick or Kevin. I don't know what song's going to be sung. I don't know what the title of the message is, but I know this. I need it. I need you to give it to me. I need you. I don't care if it comes through a song, through a message, through one word or the, all the words put together. I need something from you today. I need to walk out of this place changed, different than what I came in because I just spent this whole week not telling people about you. So I need some encouragement. I need a push. I need another reason. I need something. And if you'll come in seeking that week in and week out, I promise you in six weeks you won't be the same person you are today. I don't care how long you've been doing this, what your title is, where you came from. It don't matter. None of that matters. You can still use a little adjusting. You're still the clay and he's still the potter. You still need changing just like I do. I still have Sundays that I'm more concerned with what the temperature is going to be in here than what the message is. <laughs> Just say it out loud. That's the truth, right? And if I come in here and that's my focus, guess what? I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. And this may be your last opportunity to get it. This may be the last one. It may be my last one. This might be my last time to preach. I really may not make it home today. That's a real possibility. That's, that's real. We say that, but we don't believe it. You know how I know I don't believe it? Because I don't live like that. I don't go down here and hug my wife and my daughter and go, if I leave here today before I get out that door, I love you. Because if I believed what I just said, that's what I'd do, right? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Keep going. We're going to get through this, I promise. Because there's some benefits of believing it. According to verse 58. The victory. My goodness. We're gonna start at, let's go with 55. That's where we're at. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? I think we sing a song about that um, from time to time. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory... Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now don't miss that. Thanks be to God who gives us our victory. Don't stop there. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, you don't get the victory separate from Jesus. Because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. Corruption can't put on incorruption. You, 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 you can't have the victory without Christ. It's a promise of a victory, but it comes with an attachment. And the attachment is that relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Boy, that's important. Man, that's important. That victory. In verse 58. Therefore, my beloved. Mm. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing, knowing that your labor is not 
in vain in the Lord. Listen to me. If you can believe all the rest of those verses, if you can believe in that victory, if you can believe in the kingdom of God not being inherited by flesh and blood, if you can believe that incorruption ain't going to make it, here's where you ought to be. You should be because you believe those things that should be seen in you and this is what you should look like. Steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's where you should be seen. That's how, you should, that's how you can prove that you believe the rest of that stuff. Steadfast. Listen to me. I, I did some definitions on it. I did a little extra work on this one. Steadfast. Firmly fixed in place. Steadfast. Firmly fixed in place. Immovable. Capable. No. Incapable of being moved. In, in other words, no matter what happens, no matter if they break in and steal everything from the bicycles to the toothbrushes, I ain't going back. I'm here for a calling. I'm here for a reason. I believe in that victory. I believe that, that the incorruptible is more important than the corruptible. I believe that the, the flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm going to stick it out. Immovable. Planted. Firmly planted. Look at this. Abounding. In the work of the Lord. Abounding. Not kind of hitting a lick at it every once in a while when it's convenient to me. Which is what I tend to do. It's okay to shake your head and agree with that. I know. I see y'all week in and week out. I know. When it's comfortable. When it's convenient. Right? When it don't cost me nothing and ain't no sacrifice involved. Then I'm all in. Otherwise, see you next Sunday. Right? Don't lie. That's the truth. That's the way it is. It's the way it is for every one of us. And why is it that way? One of two things. We either don't care or we don't believe. That's the truth. And it's the truth for every one of us. Listen, I need you to focus on this this morning because I need you to walk out of here with the mindset that in this coming week, in these coming weeks, in these coming months, I'm going to be immovable. <laughs> I'm going to be abounding. You know what abounding means? To be present in large numbers or great quantity. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Large numbers and great quantity. You ever met that person that just couldn't do enough? I married her. I did. I want to tell you, I walked into the uh, surgery center this time, I was a little more prepared. Last time, I, I didn't want nobody knowing, didn't want nobody messing with me. I went up there by myself. They rolled her off down that hall to do that surgery, and I about didn't make it. Kevin and Chastity showed up that time, praise God, and I had somebody to talk to and took my mind off of it. This time, I wasn't going to let that happen. My brother-in-law said, I want to I go up there with you this time. I said, I, bring it, son. If you're going to sit there, I'm going to let you. Because when they wheel her off, I know what this is going to be like. Well, she had went from... Uh, Midnight, Sunday night, till surgery time, no food. And I thought, well, I'm not going to eat either. If she can't eat, I can't eat. I'm just going to show her my support. Didn't tell her that, didn't say nothing to her about that. Well, they delay and get all messed up. You know how it is. They finally wheel her off at 2 o'clock. And old fat boy here is about to starve death, Moose. <laughs> I'm, I was sure wishing I'd stop and got that biscuit. You know what I mean? I was, it was killing me. So I come out, and Big Daddy had a appointment up there and, and uh, Sean had volunteered to come he was sitting out there I come out and I said Sean what are we doing for lunch 
And he ran off and got us something to eat. Well, my wife had figured out while we were back there and we were waiting on them to take her away, she had figured out that I hadn't eaten. Well, that's what she needed was something else to worry about. Well, they go get her and do the surgery and do all that, and a few hours later they come get me and take me back there, and I promise you, I, with all I've got in me, this is real. I walked around the corner. She's still on about half anesthesia out. Y'all know how it is. Uh, just slobber and drool. And, uh, just barely conscious to the world. You know what I mean? And you know what was the first thing? I, I mean, I had to lean. She couldn't even talk. I had to get down here like this to hear. Did you get you something to eat? Would you quit? You overachiever? Worry about you. You're barely conscious. You ain't eat nothing. You, you, you just, I mean, come on. You all met those people, right? Overachievers. I married one. Her mind is always on somebody else. Her mind is all, her concern is always with what somebody else is going through. Always. You know how I know what she believes? <laughs> By how she leads her life every day. Not from time to time. Not every once in a while. You know how you'll know what I believe? How I lead my life. And when you walk up and say, do you believe that? You sh I shouldn't have to say a word. I ought to be able to point. And you go, yeah, I bet you do believe it. If you believe it, you'll live it. I promise you. If you believe it, you'll live it. Four foster homes for 85 kids. You believe that? That's a problem. You believe that? I believe it is. But I won't have to tell you. You'll be able to see. All of us should be able to say the same thing. Let's pray. Father and our God, we come to you to say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, to, to be in your word this morning. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for what it's spoken this morning. And I pray, God, that everybody in the sound of my voice has been able to receive this word the way you meant for it to be received not for the way I preached it, not for the, the comments or the opinions of mine that may have gotten in the way, Father, but for what your word says. Father, you know what we believe by how we live our lives. I pray that you guide us in that, that you grow us in that, and that you show us exactly what's expected of each and every one of us. Father, I thank you, I love you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.